temptation issues. Do any of you ever have temptation issues? Good. Well, good. Well, we're so glad you're here. We're, we're in a series uh, called The Greatest Story of All. And, uh, you know, I believe the, the Christmas story is the greatest story of all and the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And, and I think that we need to, to really explore it because sometimes when we hear something over and over again, we really lose important aspects of the story and, and really sometimes the significance of the story. Yeah, you know, it's kind of like parents, if you tell your kids if they don't do what they're supposed to do, their life's going to be over. The first time they really believe it, right? But if they're still alive a few months later, it kind of loses, loses the effect. So what makes a story great? I love great stories. I love hearing great stories. I love reading great stories, uh, you know, from, from present day, from modern day, all the way back to some of the great historical stories. But to me, these are some of the aspects of a great story. First of all, a great story captures the imagination and it takes you there in a literal sense. And, uh, you know, if you hear a story and you can't put yourself there or it doesn't relate to you, it's kind of hard uh, for it to, to be a great story to you. But think about um, the story of the birth of our Savior. There's great characters. I mean, there's kings and there's magi coming from the east and there's a, a humble couple, a Jewish couple that's just about to be married. There's angels. I mean, there's just all kind of uh, story you know, characters in the story. There's drama. There's highs. There are lows. Everything isn't easy. In the story, there's highs, there are lows, they're, they're giving birth, they're escaping to Egypt for their life. And uh, the next thing I think that, to me, some of the greatest stories are stories that can be verified to be true. They're, they're historically accurate, historically, um, you know, uh, they're historical stories, I guess. They're, they're stories that have been told that these things really happen to people. And, you know, think about it, and just in the birth life and resurrection of Jesus, there are 300 biblical prophecies fulfilled. So hundreds of years before Jesus was born, they said what family he would be born to, where he would be born, where he would be raised, uh, you know, what he would do. And, uh, you know, really, it's interesting that if you go over to Israel, no, no Jewish historian, uh, no Israeli person will, will argue the fact that there was a rabbi named Jesus who walked around and influenced hundreds and thousands of people they may not agree that he was the Messiah, but everyone believes and knows the story of Jesus. The third thing is that I believe that a great story transcends generations. It, it passes down generation to generation, and it still has the same effect on people. And I think this is why um, most people don't know this, but the Bible is the bestseller every year. And, and, and it's by far. It's by millions and millions. And five billion copies of the Bible have been, have been purchased since the printing press came in about in the first Bible, uh, you know, was what was bought. Um, I believe a great story has a supernatural element. By supernatural, I mean it defies human logic. Um, things happen in the story that cannot be explained by a normal way of, of thinking. And by supernatural, I mean that there had to be a God that stepped into the situation. And if you think about our, our story, uh, the virgin is with child. How I many you know that's, that's a supernatural, that's a supernatural uh, thing that happened? And then I believe one of, the, one of the great marks of a story is that a great story has application to our lives. And I don't know about you, but sometimes when I read stories of what someone went through or some things, I'm like, man, there's some takeaway from that story for me. 
And how many of you would agree that in the birth of our Savior, there's some things that we can, that we can learn. There's some things that, that we can apply, uh, you know, to our lives. So what I want to do today, I want to talk about some lessons from the life of Joseph and Mary. Look at Joseph and Mary and their lives and kind of what they went through. And I think there's some takeaway for our lives. And, you know, we're finishing this year and we're celebrating Christmas and that's great. But as I get toward the end of the year, I'm always looking to how can I do better next year? And I hope that you are too. I hope that you think, you're thinking, man, if 2019, whether, whether it's been bad, good, or, or indifferent, how can 2020 be better? What are some things that I can implement in my life to make next year better than this year? And um, so I want, what I want to do is I want to read the story of the birth of Jesus from, from Luke and Matthew. And it's a little bit long, but I'll read it quickly. And then I want to talk about just three things in the life of Joseph and Mary that I think have an impact for us that I think that we can use in our lives today. Uh, Luke 1, it says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at, at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? And the angel asked, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive or, or barren is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled, and the angel left her. Now let's look at Matthew one, and it talks about uh, the angel coming to meet with Joseph. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was, a, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said to the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's quoting Isaiah 7:14. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. And I was thinking this week about the life of Joseph and Mary and some of the hardships they went through, and uh, the first lesson that I thought about from their life was this. Sometimes we find ourselves in a position that we never thought we would be in. Can I get an amen? amen? Have any of you ever found yourself in a position that you never thought you would be in? You wake up one day, you look around and say, wow, this is my life. 
Have you ever been there? Some of you have been there. And point to your neighbor and say, they've been there. And, you know, you say, I never thought I would be in this position in life. I, I never thought I would be a single mother. I never thought that I would be a single father. I never thought I would be going through a divorce. I never thought I would be in a situation where there was infidelity in my marriage. I never thought I would be unemployed. I mean, I've been working at this company. I've been loyal to this company. I never thought that I would be unemployed and not have a job. I never thought I would have a broken relationship with my family, my brothers, my sisters, my parents, aunts, uncles, whatever. I never thought I would struggle with an addiction. I never thought that I would, that I would experience the death of a loved one at such a young age. I never thought I would be going through a bankruptcy. I never thought... I would become such a bitter and callous person. I never thought that my kids would be experiencing some of the things that they're experiencing. The list goes on and on, and if I took long enough, I could include, I could include everyone in this room in, in one of those things. Probably that got about 80% of, of the congregation right there, but that's what happens. Sometimes we wake up in life, and, and we're at a position in life that we never dreamed that we would be in, that we never expected to be in, and I believe this is where Joseph and Mary found themselves in the Christmas story. You know, they're pledged to be married and everything seems normal. It even seems good. It seems great. Uh, you know, there were three steps in a marriage. The first step was that the families would come together and agree to give their children uh, to each other. That's step one. Step two, they would give a formal announcement uh, to the community. You know how if you're engaged in here, you send out a say the date thing or you do something like that, right? That's like you're announcing that you're gonna, that you're gonna get married. Um, and then the third step, they got married. But after step two, after they were pledged to be married and they had announced to the community, even though uh, they were not legally married, uh, they, they, they weren't officially legally married, but the only way that you could break a pledge in, in, the, in the first century was by divorce or death. So it's a little bit more serious, a little bit more serious than what we do. Do you ever, do you ever get a, an announcement for a wedding and then you get another one later that says, never mind? It happens sometimes, right? And I'm not making fun of that, but I'm just saying in these days when you were pledged, it was like a serious deal. You weren't getting out of it except by death or, or, or diver, divorce. And, you know, Mary's probably, she's probably 12 to 14 years old. And, of course, they got married younger in these days. They had children younger because life expectancy, uh, you know, wasn't what, it, what we have it today. And so she's between 12, 13, 14 years old. She's pledged to marry a fine young man. Her parents like him. She likes him. And then an angel appears to her and tells her she's going to have a baby, that the Messiah is going to, to come through, through her. And... Um, and it happens. She's, she's pregnant. Now, try explaining that one to your parents, to your friends, and to your fiancé. I mean, come on now. Try. I mean, Mary's in a position that she didn't ask for. I don't know that she really want, but she did say, I'm the Lord's servant. May it be as, as you want. But she didn't want to be in this position. Mary ends up in a position that she never dreamed of. I mean, you never dream of a little girl that you're going to be pregnant and you didn't even have sex before you're married. And that's a hard one to come up with, right? And then, then Joseph, he was in a tough position as well. 
his fiance comes and tells him this crazy story about an angel, the Holy Spirit, and a Messiah. And Joseph, like, he's not going for it. He doesn't go for it. He's like, the, his, the story says he, he meant to divorce her and put her away quietly. And the reason he was doing that is because if he made a big spectacle, spectacle of it, Mary could be stoned. That's what they did back in those days for adultery, fornication. They just took you out and stoned you. And he didn't, you know, I don't know that he understood the whole situation, but he didn't want that to happen. Again, if you're Joseph, you're in a tough position. Try explain this one to your friends and family. You know, I, I'm pure. I never, I was not intimate with my fiance, but she's pregnant. But there was an angel. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean think, think about this. Think about this. And, and so Joseph and Mary, everyone knows the timetable. Everyone can see Mary. And so they're, they're, they're going to be, they're going to stand out in their community as having been immoral. I mean, it's, it's a position that they, they, didn't, they didn't want to be in. How many of you know that when you follow God's plan for your life, Ultimately, at some time or another, you're going to end up in a position that you never thought you would be in, and yet God is going to use that to minister to others. You know? Uh, we want God to use us. We just don't want to be uncomfortable. Oh, God, just use me to change the nations. Oh, oh no, I don't want to go to Africa. Oh, no, I don't want to go to India, you know? It's the funny story of, I, I've told you, you know, we have... We're an international church. We have all these churches in India and Nepal. The first time they invited me to go there, like I went to look at it on, on a map, you know, and I'm like, man, that is in the middle of nowhere. Like it's no, like find nowhere on the map and that's where it is. And then I'm looking, I was like, it's going to take me 40 hours to get there. And it does. And my wife asked me, are you going? I'm like, I'm not going. You know what? I didn't sleep for three nights. And you know what God says? You didn't ask me if I wanted you to go. You just said you didn't want to go. And, and so, uh, you know, sometimes we can end up in positions. So here's the question. What do you do when you find yourself in a difficult position? Some of you here today, you're in a difficult position. Some of you this year, you've been in a difficult position. Some of you this coming year, you're going to be in a difficult position. You're going to end up in a position that you never dreamed you would be in. You're going to end up in a position that you don't want to be in. You're going to end up in a position that's uncomfortable. You're going to end up in a position where others criticize you. It's just going to happen. So what do you do? If you're like Joseph and Mary, what do you do when you end up in a position that you never wanted to be in? And so there's, here's some things that some people do. When you're in a position that you find difficult, do you quit on life? A lot of people just quit. They give up. Do you give up? Uh, do you blame someone else? Well, it's the angel. <laughs> you know, it's God. Do you, some people make a rash or a spontaneous decision that's not God's will for their life just because they're in a difficult position. Uh, some people spend too much time analyzing how you got there. And, and I, I believe if you get in a bad position and you did it yourself because you made some mistakes, I'm all about evaluating your life. But how many of you know at the end of the day, you can only analyze so much? You can only analyze so much. Sometimes it doesn't matter why you got there. What matters is how are you going to get out of there? And how are you going to keep growing and get out of that situation? Then others, when they're in difficult positions, they become angry, bitter, and critical. And listen, if you're here this morning and you're angry, you're bitter, you're critical, listen, 
I would ask you, can you just give that to God this morning? Give that to God. All you're going to do is bitterness, critical, it's going to ruin your relationships. It's going to keep you from, from doing everything that God, want, God has in store for you. And you may say, but Terry, you don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. But I know the result of bitterness and criticalness. I know the result of that. And, and, and so the answer to that is just you got to forgive to get out of that. So what is the answer? What is the answer? Um, if we're in a position that we never thought we would be in, I think the answer is this. We need to seek God for direction. And, you know, I hear people all the time. I hear Christians say, well, well, we're praying. I don't even believe them. But you know, you're not, oh, we're praying. No, I'm saying, well, you're in a position that you don't know how you got there and it's a bad position. I'm saying you, get, you, you may need to spend hours in prayer. You may need to fast and pray. I had a guy come to me one time and he said, Pastor, I don't know what to do. You know, my family's in a wreck. My wife just left me. And I told him, well, if, if, if I were you, you're asking me, if I were you, the next three days I would just fast and pray. Well, what, what is fasting? I told him, well, he's like, well, I get a headache if I don't eat. Honest to goodness. And I was like, okay, you get a headache if you don't eat. How do you feel if your wife leaves you? How do you feel if your family rips apart? You're not able to live with your kids. That's worse than a headache. Take the headache. Take it. God will help you. But I'm saying if you're in a position that's uncomfortable, you have to do something to break out of that. You have got to, I'm not talking about, a 15-minute devotional, you have got to get on your face before God. And you have to cry out to God. And you, I mean, you, I don't care if you don't eat. I don't care what you do. Turn off the television. Turn off the computer. You've got, you're in desperate need to hear God's voice. You've got to hear God's voice. He's the one that can give you the direction and the wisdom to get where you need, need to get. So what I'm saying is it's not good enough to just say, oh, yeah, we're praying. You've got to do it. You've got to do it. Jeremiah 33, 3, it says this, Call to me, and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. So that's the promise. Call to me. Come seek after me. Search for me. And, and I will tell you things that you don't even know. I will give you understanding and wisdom and insight that you never even thought about. And so I think many times what we do, we do exactly what Joseph did in this story. What, what did Joseph do? Joseph, he didn't go to God first. We know he was a godly man. But he, human interest, human, human nature is we try to figure out our problem. And Joseph thought about this. He's like, man, what can I do? I, I don't believe Mary about this story. I mean, it's the craziest thing I ever heard. And I know it's not me. So, and I don't want her to die. I don't want her to be stoned. So I, I'm just going to put her away quietly. I'm going to divorce her quietly. And you know what? Thank goodness that God stepped in. Aren't you thankful that God steps in sometimes, even when we don't ask him? He just steps in and stops us from making a mistake. And the angel came to Joseph and said, Joseph, settle down. Everything Mary said is true. And, and the Messiah is going to come to you. Don't be scared to take her as your wife. And he, he woke up from this dream and he did that. So if you find yourself in a position that's uncomfortable, you know, don't, don't try to make sense of it yourself. Go to God, begin to pray, begin to seek guidance, begin to get with other people who can pray with you and believe with you as well. So that's the number one lesson. 
When we're in a position that we never expected to be in, that we never wanted to be in, it doesn't matter if it's something we did ourselves that got us there, and it doesn't matter if God put us there because he wants us to be there. The answer is we have to seek him. We have to hear him just as Joseph heard from God through an angel. He heard from God and got direction on how to proceed with his life, with his marriage, with his family. We need we need the same thing that Joseph received. Number two, the second lesson that we can learn from Joseph and Mary is sometimes daily life can be more difficult than we imagine. So we have problems that we get, but how many of you know that, how many, let me ask you a question. I know 100% of you are going to raise your hands. How many of you are tired at the end of the day? Most everyone is, right? We're t- why are we tired? Because we're dealing with stuff. How many of you deal with stuff every day? You got kids, you got jobs, you, women, you got a husband. I mean, that can wear on you, you know what I'm saying? I mean, we got all these things to deal with. But daily life on the earth, the harsh reality of life can set in for us. And, you know, there's not a person born who, who doesn't have difficult things happen to them. Difficult things happen in life, obstacles come, difficulties come, and life is not fair, but it's not fair to everyone. And, you know, sometimes as a pastor, not a week goes by as a pastor that someone comes to me and they share just really just a heart-wrenching story of something they're walking through. And man, I just like, man, I feel bad for them. And, you know, that, that's why most of, my, most of my prayers are for you. They're not for me. Because I know all these situations, uh, you know, going on, and man, it's just, it's just difficult. But praise God, as a pastor, I also get to hear the end of the story. And the end of the story, how God came through for them, how God delivered them, how God brought about some miraculous, uh, you know, resolution. So I guess one of the problems in daily life is, is our unrealistic expectations, do any of you ever have unrealistic expectations? Yeah, we have this list of things of how we expect uh, life to go and unrealistic expectations that can be a source of great frustration and disappointment. And sometimes we've, we think about our life kind of like it's a fairy tale playing out. And if this is going to happen and this is going to happen and this is going to happen, uh, how's that working for you? That, that can be tough, right? Life, life you know, it's not a, it's not a fairy tale. Uh, but sometimes Christians have the Garden of Eden mindset that everything is going to be perfect when we give our lives to the Lord and we're not going to have difficulties and we're not going to have hardship and God's going to deliver us from things that come into our life daily. And I mean, here's the good news. We're moving toward perfection. That's heaven. But we're stuck in imperfection right now. And we have to, we have to deal with that. So I was thinking about Mary this week. And all the hardships and difficulties she faced in life. And what I'm thinking, when I'm thinking about Mary, her life probably did not resemble anything that she dreamed of as a little girl. I mean, I'm going to read a list of some of these things. I think sometimes we don't put all these things together. First of all, the, the big one, of course, she was pregnant before her wedding. She had to travel 70 miles on a donkey while big and pregnant to deliver uh, this baby. She delivered her firstborn baby in a, in, a, in a stable with animals, and they placed him in a manger where the animals would eat out of. Uh, 
Then not too long after his birth, they have to escape to Egypt because this crazy king is trying to kill their baby. They have to escape to Egypt and live in, e live in Egypt for a little bit. Um, then we, we, we know that, um, that after Jesus, we know, we know that when Jesus was a teenager, a young teenager, Joseph disappears from the story. He's no longer in the story. So the only thing we can imagine is that he died. That he died when Jesus was a young teenager. We know when he's 12 years old, he went, Joseph went with them to the temple in Jerusalem. And that's where Jesus was with the, the religious leaders. And they, they left without him for a couple days. And, uh, but after that, Joseph disappears from the story. Um, and the Bible mentions that Jesus had four younger brothers. So Mary has a teenage boy and four younger boys, and now she doesn't have a husband. She's a single mother trying to provide for five boys. I mean, I don't think she dreamed of in her life that she would end up in that position. And of course, probably worst of all is she witnesses the crucifixion of her son. And yet with all that hardship, I don't think Mary at the end of her life would have taken back anything. She was used by God. Her life was special. We honor her today. We read about her today because, uh, not because her life was perfect and the standard of perfect, but because it was, it was glorious. She did what God had for her. So, so here's the answer. What do you do? Life is tough. We have these obstacles. So what do we do? And, and I, th I think here's what I tell people. First of all, make sure you're following God's plan for your life. And number two, keep going. Just wake up, get out of bed every day, put one foot in front of another, live your life in faith, press on, have determination, and just keep moving because things will change. Things will change. Things will improve. But you got to keep, keep pushing on. God blesses faithfulness and determination Principle number three from the life of Joseph and Mary. We would all rather start off in the palace instead of the stable. I mean, think about that. We all dream about being in the palace. We dream grandiose things. And we just want to start there. We don't want to start in the stable. We don't want to start out there with the animals. And I'm sure Joseph and Mary, they had high hopes about how their lives would turn out after the dramatic announcement of the Messiah being born to their family, the Savior of the world living in their home. But the beginning was anything but glamorous. I mean, think about this. You know, the angel comes to, to Mary, the angel comes to Joseph, and so there, he takes her to be his wife. And I mean, I'm sure they're having conversations. What did your angel look like? Well, my angel was better. You ever one-up each other? Do you ever one-up each other? And they're like, gosh, we had angels tell us the Messiah, the one who's come to take away the sins of the world, is going to be born into our family. We're going to get to raise the Messiah. And, and I'm sure they had some grandiose expectations of how Jesus would come into the world. And I'm sure it didn't include a stable in Bethlehem 70 miles from their home. I'm sure that's not how... I'm sure in all their talkings, let me ask you all, you, all the couples that are married here. When you were dating, you had conversations. And a lot of times your life did not turn out how your conversations were. Right? Like real life set in, right? Real, and sometimes you hear other young couples talking about things and, 
And uh, I had one friend, and he'd always try to straighten him out. And, and then he asked me one day, he's like, Terry, you're not going to try to straighten him out? I'm like, why? They're on cloud nine. They're going to get knocked down soon enough. Let them enjoy. Let them enjoy their little bit of insanity, right? Let them enjoy the little bit. But I mean, think about this. Again, traveling to Bethlehem, giving birth in a stable filled with animals. Listen, the stable, it represents humility, that Jesus came in humility. And it also represents that Jesus came for the ordinary person. Jesus did not come with a golden spoon in his mouth. He came for the ordinary person. He came for sinners. He came for the down and outs. He came for the poor. Uh, Hebrews, one of my favorite scriptures is Hebrews chapter 4. I tell people all the time, listen, Jesus can empathize with where you are. In Hebrews 4, verse 14 through 16, it says this, Therefore, since we have such a great high priest, it's talking about Jesus, who is ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. So I, I want to tell you this morning that Jesus experienced, why did he come? Why did he come into the world? Why did he take on human flesh? But, so that he could go through everything that you and I would ever go through. When you get on your knees and you pray and ask Jesus to help you, I want you to understand that every feeling, every emotion, everything you've ever experienced, he already did. Except he found a way to overcome. That's why we go to him. But think about this. Again, we don't think like this, but Jesus came into the world to be the Savior of all mankind, and he started off in a stable. Anything we go through, Jesus has already been through. He experienced the highs and lows of life. Jesus experienced poverty as a child, one of five kids without a father as a teenager. He experienced the death of his father as a teenager. He experienced multiple time betrayal of close friends. He experienced pain, suffering, and agony during his crucifixion. crucifixion. He experienced a spiritual separation from his father, Father God, as he hung on the cross. If you read the crucifixion, and there comes a time and Jesus says, my, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So, you know, sometimes you get that feeling, man, I'm just, I just can't connect with God. Jesus went through that too. So anything that you have ever been through, anything that you're going to go through this year, Jesus has been there. And that's why the Bible says we can go to him with confidence because he, he can empathize and sympathize for every feeling. You know when people say, well, I just can't go to church today or I, I can't read my Bible or I can't do a Bible study or I can't pray because of what I'm going through? That, that's hogwash. That's the reason you need to. That's the reason you, that's more of a reason to, because Jesus, see, sometimes we want, we want to talk to people. Man, people can't empathize with you like God. People can't give you advice and encouragement like God. I'm all about having friends. But when you're down and out, the one you have to go to is Jesus. The one you, I mean, we have to do everything we can to get to Jesus. And sometimes he's like a last result if we're about to jump off a cliff. I mean, he's got to be the first. So Jesus was born in a stable 
but his journey took him to the palace. So this morning, I just want, it doesn't matter if you're in the stable right now. It doesn't matter if you fall into the stable this next year. It doesn't matter where you are in life. What is, what is important is where you're going. Where are you going? See, we're, we're on a journey to heaven here, and it doesn't matter where you start. It doesn't matter where you're at today. It, it, it's all about where you're going. So it doesn't matter where you start in life or where you currently find yourself in life. What matters is where you're headed. And there's nothing wrong with starting off with, with humble means in a stable as long as you're headed for the palace. And the good news is Jesus is your Savior. If you've given your life to Jesus, uh, no, no matter where you are in life, you're headed toward the palace. You're headed toward the throne room of God. You're headed toward eternity with Jesus, and that, that's, that's good news. Now, let me, let, let me say a couple things real quick. I think sometimes when we find ourselves in the stable, that can be a good place to be. You may not want to stay there long, but I think it can be a good place to be. Think about this. Uh, the stable, it can be a place of peace. Think about there's, there's a lot of noise and commotion in the palace. But if you read the story, they had Jesus there in the stable in the manger, placing in the manger. And it seemed to be a place of peace. Uh, the, the stable can be a place of intimate, intimacy. A place of fellowship and community, and it can be a quiet place, a place where it's easy to hear God's voice. You know, sometimes when we're stuck in a position that we don't want to be in, and it could be, the, it could be whatever stable you want, the stable of financial mess, the stable of broken relationships, whatever. Uh, sometimes when we get there, we're at the bottom, we're, at, we're, we're in a stable. Sometimes that's the easiest place to connect with God. It can be a place of fellowship. It can be a place of community. It can be a place of intimacy. So as, as I finish this morning and the, the band can come on up, I just, I just want you to think for a minute. You know, many times holiday season, the Christmas season, uh, you know, we know this. We know this, that suicide rates go up, depression rates go up, discouragement goes up, and Really, if you think about it, what we celebrate at Christmas, Jesus coming into the world to redeem us, to take away our sins. Christmas should be a time of encouragement. It should be a time of, hey, no matter where I am, I can be transformed and I can get to where I need to be. And so I just want you to think about this this morning. And maybe you're, you're in a position in life today that you never thought you would be in. Uh, maybe you're in a desperate place, a bad place. You're like Joseph and Mary. You're, you're in a place that you don't want to be in. And, you know, I would say it doesn't really matter how you got there. It doesn't matter if you did something wrong. It doesn't matter if God placed you there because he wants to use that position to teach you something. But if you're in, if you're in a place you don't want to be in, the, the number one thing you can do is to really spend time seeking God. And I just want to, to let you know the first full week of January, every year here at Family Life, we take a week of, for prayer and fasting. We open up our sanctuary for nightly prayers. And, and I would just encourage you. I encourage everyone. I think everyone should start the year off fasting and praying. But if, really, if you're in a position that you don't understand, that's even a greater reason. That's even a greater reason to do that. 
Maybe, maybe life has become much more difficult than you imagine and, and you just need encouragement today and I'm gonna pray for you if that's you. You know, I, I think sometimes when, we, when we're in a, in a stable situation, sometimes we're in such a hurry to get out of the stable that we don't learn what God wants us to learn. Can I get a better amen? I mean, sometimes when we're in a position and, and we don't, a stable position, we don't want to be there, sometimes we, we're in such a hurry to get out, but sometimes God wants to teach us something there. And we got to open our ears and open our hearts because we may learn a lesson there that can bless us for the rest of our lives. Would you stand with me today? Lord, we come before you and we're so thankful for your blessings. Let's just begin to thank in church. God, we're so thankful for your blessings in our life. And God, we come before you this morning. And Lord, I pray for everyone here this morning and these lessons from the life of, of Joseph. And Lord, maybe there's people that have found themselves in a position that they never thought they would be in. You know, if that's you this morning, would you just raise your hand to the Lord and say, man, I'm in a position I never thought I would be in. God, I just pray that you touch these lives this morning. God, I just pray that you bring encouragement this morning. Lord, I pray that, that you're the one that, that can get them out of this, Lord, and you can transfer them their lives, transform their lives and give them wisdom and direction. In Jesus' name, we pray blessings. And Lord, I pray for everyone, Lord, who maybe finds themselves in a stable this morning, Lord God. And Lord, sure, we want to be in the palace, but you can use the stable times of our lives to show us things that we never thought possible. So God, I just pray blessings over them this morning in, 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 in Jesus' name. Let's sing a chorus and I'll come back up and dismiss you. I'm gonna sing in the middle of the storm Louder and louder We're gonna hear my praises roar And up from the ashes Hope
lot of you on Tuesday. Hey guys, y'all can leave all the chairs down. We leave them up here in the holiday season. God, I just pray a blessing over your people today. Lord, I pray a blessing over your people in Jesus' name. And God, I just pray that during this holiday season, your blessings are going to be so evident in our lives that we're going to be able to minister to many people. We're going to be able to pray for people. We're going to be able to share the love of Jesus to people. Lord, I pray that people are going to see hope in us, God. That we would resemble, that we would illuminate your hope in a world that's suffering without hope. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you, church.